Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And we're into extra time. Hey guys, welcome to Extra Time. I'm Sally Murphy. A lot happening in the sporting world this week, but the thing that's got people talking is the multiple drug scandals in the NRL. Kiwis captain Jesse Bromwich and Kevin Proctor have been omitted from this year's World Cup squad after they allegedly consumed cocaine after last Friday's Anzac test. The pair apologised, but David Kidwell made the decision to rule them out of the World Cup. He said he was left with no choice. Former Kiwis coach Stephen Kearney is backing Kidwell's decision. That, that sort of situation, you know, I'm surprised, you know, at that level, um, very surprised. If I was in this position, you know, I, I have no doubt I probably would have had to have made the, the same decision. Have you reached out to the players? Or did you see not, not as yet, no. Captain Bromwich was demoted from his leadership role, hit with a two-game NRL ban by Melbourne and forced to donate his test match fee to charity. Proctor, meanwhile, was slugged with a four-match NRL ban by the Titans and has stepped down from the club's co-captaincy. Kieran Foran, who considers Bromwich and Proctor good mates, says the pair shouldn't be judged on one mistake. You know, I'm sure they're disappointed in, in, in what they've done and, and, and they're embarrassed by it, but you know, I think um, they should be left alone to, to sort of sort through it and, and you know, return to footy when, when they can. Foran also agreed with the World Cup ban. He says an example does need to be set. You know, I think it's the right call. Um, so, yeah, look, at the end of the day, like I've said, um, I'm not going to judge them on, on that, what they've done. Um, they're mates of mine, they're both quality blokes, and um, you know, hopefully they can put that behind them, learn from it, and, um, and come back bigger and better. Kieran Foran. I spoke to our league reporter, Matt Chatterton, about the whole ordeal. Well, to be honest, uh, rugby league uh, has never been far from controversy throughout uh, the time that uh, the Warriors and teams well before that have been involved in rugby league. It's it's a sport that I guess is the working man's sport and it's always been perceived, I guess, as in some ways the lesser of the two rugby codes, particularly here in New Zealand. The Warriors often have found themselves in situations where they've uh, had incident, incidents that uh, were a bad image for the club. Just think last year when they had the whole uh, infamous six, shall we call them, where a group of the uh, team took uh, sleeping pills and energy drinks to try and create uh, or simulate a high that you could get from drugs. So it's not uncommon for these sort of things to pop up from now and then. I think it's more of a societal issue rather than just strictly rugby league. But uh, when you look at what's happened on the weekend, we've had three or four different people all within rugby league caught with the drug or caught using the drug cocaine. Cocaine is very much a rich person's drug. Uh, it's the champagne of drugs, supposedly. Uh, I wouldn't know myself. Um, but yes, the, it's, the, it's a drug that is very easily accessible, particularly in Sydney and Australia. And uh, that is why uh, when rugby league players are earning such big money, it's so easy for them to get. 
But to have Bromwich and Proctor involved, I mean, they're, they're the two big names, really, in the Kiwis squad. Do you think that it reflects badly just on New Zealand league clubs? No, it reflects badly, I think, overall on rugby league and, again, on society. But, yes, yes, it is a terrible look for New Zealand rugby league. They have... They have done wrong. They should be punished and have rightly been punished for what they for what they did. There is no excuse for taking drugs less than nine or ten hours after a game of rugby league, where you're representing your country, no less. So, yes, I think I think it is a very bad look on both New Zealand rugby league and rugby league in general. But I think that the appropriate authorities have dealt with it correctly. Uh, but uh, I guess there is going to be no. Um, Punishment, shall we say, from police because it doesn't appear as though they are pursuing charges against the two. Yeah, I mean, the NRL have obviously banned them from taking place in this year's World Cup. Do you think that was the right decision to make? There's obviously been a a bit of mixed reaction. Well, I think given how many issues that Rugby League has had in the past two years, even for example, I mean, I think back to last year when Mitchell Pearce was suspended for a good part of, I think about a quarter of the season for simulating a lewd act on a dog while celebrating Australia Day. You've got Ben Barber, who was, after the grand final last year, was suspended, or he was facing a 12-week suspension for taking cocaine himself, but then he took off to Rugby League, uh, rugby Union in France. You've got uh, a few other players, Sean Kennedale, who's gone and got himself into trouble with cocaine as well. It's it's happening everywhere, and I, th- I think it, that the NRL did need to take a hard stance or a hard line on this, and I think they've done the right thing by... By banning, it was actually New Zealand Rugby League who did it, and for David Kidwell, the Kiwis coach, to come out and do it, I think that really sends a statement to the New Zealand Rugby League players that this sort of behaviour won't be tolerated, and you need that from the top. You need someone at the top telling them that this is what we expect of you, and you have to abide by our rules, otherwise you won't represent your country, and frankly, I think that is the right move. The other big story of the week was the 2019 Rugby World Cup draw. The All Blacks will play old foes South Africa, Italy and two teams yet to qualify in Pool B. England, for the second straight World Cup, are in the pool of death alongside France and Argentina in Pool C. Host Japan will play Ireland and Scotland in the pool round. All Blacks assistant coach Ian Foster says they're pleased to get a guaranteed tough game against South Africa in the group stage. But he joked that his heart was breaking for England and their bad luck, though he's relieved to have avoided the pool of death. Oh, look, I mean, I mean overall, I think we're pretty satisfied. It's, uh, you know, having South Africa in there is going to generate a lot of interest. It's a very traditional game for us. So it's going to get a tea. We have a, a real edge through our preparation, and I think you you really want to make sure you've got that a, a tough game in the pool, and you know Italy are, are probably a growing team under Conor O'Shea, so we, we think they'll get better and better the next couple of years. So to me, it's a. It, I mean, you, you go to a World Cup, you got to try and beat anyone anyway. So you're you're not really too concerned about the individual pools, but if we we look at this one, I think it's um it, it, it's a good draw for us. Yeah, probably better than that than Pool C, which could be described as a pool of death with, what, England, France and Argentina. Yeah, well, you know, you go into these draws and you, you try not to get you have the expectations too much on who you want, but, but having Argentina at number nine and the seeding 
uh, meant that there was always going to be one pool with three pretty all you know very strong rated teams, and so you know we're pretty pleased that Argentina are in our pool. You know we've seen their growth recently, and and they've got the ability to play well. And you know the fact that they were semi finalists in the in the last World Cup just proves that. So. That's going to be an interesting one. That's sort of two World Cups in a row for England that they've drawn that pool. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be things. a challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your heart goes out to them, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm breaking. Breaking yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how does, it, how does it work and why does it work in terms of the other sides yet to be confirmed? I mean, why, why don't we know exactly what the makeup of the, the pool that the All Blacks is in yet? Yeah, so what happens is um, it's basically, I mean, it's this time... So it's effectively the, two years out from a, a World Cup, they they take the they they do the pool draw, which is obviously now, and it's based on the top top and the top twelve seeds um, are all war in at that point. So that goes on world rankings and how people finished at the last World Cup. So there's certainty with three teams in each pool, but the other the remaining two are. Uh, always left open, so there's two in each pool, which is eight in total, and that, that's all part of the world qualifying series. So around the world, the next 12 to 18 months, there's qualifying tournaments where where teams from sort of Africa, South America, Oceania, Europe are still running tournaments and games in order to get there. So that'll unfold, I think, by the end of next year, everything's confirmed. The All Blacks assistant coach, Ian Foster, speaking to Morning Report's Guy Nespiner. Well, after 37 attempts, equestrian Andrew Nicholson finally achieved his dream of winning badminton this week. At 55 years, 9 months and 6 days old, he surpassed fellow New Zealander Sir Mark Todd as the oldest winner of the event by 8 months. His 17-year-old Mount Nero also became the oldest horse to win the event. In 2015, Nicholson and Nero went into the final show jumping round, leading the competition, only to topple 3 rails and slip to 6th. Speaking after his victory, Nicholson said he never thought it would take so long to win the title, and despite being in third place going into the show jumping round, he always thought he could surpass the Germans, defending champion Michael Jung and Ingrid Kim. I won a four star in Poe when I was, I think, in third place with the Rayo. Mickey was in the lead. Him and uh, one in the second had one each down. Um, you know, so I, I won Bukalo. From the same position, Mickey having two rails down, I moved up to win. Um, so, you know, I thought I didn't I didn't want to start the show jumping in first place. I tried that last time I was here. That didn't work. I just thought if I can be near enough to them, jump a clear round, then it's up to them to do their bit. So, Had you worked out that you didn't mind if you were going to just be a little second outside? Was that already in your mind? Was in my mind, yeah. I just wanted to be near enough to pressurise them. And if I couldn't jump clear in third place, I wouldn't have been able to jump clear in first. So, um, and when Ingrid went in, you'd seen what Michael... I'd probably heard what Michael yeah, had I seen, done. Yeah, I'd seen what Michael did. Um, yeah, and it's... For me, Michael is the, a pleasure to watch him ride any of his horses in all phases. He makes it look very easy, very smooth. The horses look like they love it. He loves it. It's, um, but it was. It felt even better watching him over rail. <laughs> but what about with Ingrid? Who and then who... Ingrid's got a very good jumper, knows his job well. And I thought she just had the one down. I stopped watching when she had the yeah. the one down. I didn't realise it had gone more mm. pear shaped than that. Yeah. But 
yeah, that's that's a little bit of the problem when you go into the show jumping in first place. It's yeah, it's a lot more pressure. Was your daughter watching it with you then? Yep. What did you think of Daddy now? Very proud. I think we all are. And does this mean more than anyone that you've achieved? I think so. The feeling is unbelievable. Um, waiting so long for it, and when I was young, I thought oh, it'd be quite easy to win badminton. You know, you just come along and be brave and away you go and I've found out it is very very difficult to win. In, in question terms are you now with the CV done do you feel now you've completed the picture? The jigsaw is full. No no it's never full is it? It's never full there's always more. Andrew Nicholson The New Zealand men's basketball team is set to play a bucket load more international games from this year but the likelihood of seeing Stephen Adams in the black singlet still remains slim. New Zealand and Australia are now joining basketball's Asian region, which means the Tall Blacks will play games here and away against teams like China as part of the 2019 World Cup qualifiers, and they'll also compete in the Asian Cup in Lebanon later this year. While it'll give New Zealand basketball greater exposure, Tall Blacks coach Paul Henneday told Matt Chatterton convincing NBA star Stephen Adams to play for New Zealand is remaining a challenge. I think just having the you know, consistent exposure throughout the calendar year, um, you know, we know our schedule over the next few years, so you know that's important in terms of planning and, and knowing what our commitments are over that time, um, and just you know being able to play consistently on our on our home floor, um, you know be able to create a, a bit more of a home base and a fan base that, uh, that people can really get in behind the Tall Blacks. I guess we are so used to only seeing them once every sort of two years playing against Australia. There's so much more exposure now. What will you think, I guess, this do for young people looking at basketball in New Zealand when we've got you know a, a country that's dominated by sports like rugby? Yeah, I think it would just give more opportunities for, for young basketball fans and young sports fans to see um, you know some of their, their idols on, on the floor running around and, and hooping it up and uh, that can only be a good thing for, for our uh, younger generation. Um, from your perspective, going over to the Asia Cup this year, it's quite a big tournament to be part of. How, I guess, um, what, what will your sort of lineup look like, I guess, for that? Um, yeah, in terms of lineup, I mean, it always depends on availability and health of our guys, but um, we'll, we'll definitely be looking to take our strongest team possible um, with who's available uh, because, you know, we really see that Asia Cup as a, a platform or a really good lead into this new qualif- uh, qualification system um, starting in November. And so, you know, it's, um, it's, a, it's a perfect environment for us to, I guess, you know, see the lay of the land and, and see some of our opposition opposition and who we're going to be up against obviously we know who we're playing so we'll be able to scout them a little bit more and uh, understand who you know, who they have in terms of talent and uh, and the guys will be able to see that too most importantly. I guess playing uh, China, you know, a real powerhouse in the basketball world and they are the host of the World Cup in uh, 2019 must be a real treat to have come back to New Zealand? Yeah, you know, July 1st, um, 2018 it's going to be a real special time for, um, for, for New Zealand basketball and for Chinese basketball especially the Chinese fans and, and, and public and people that we have um, in New Zealand. It's, it's going to be a huge occasion and and um, you know, something that I know, I know the guys will really look forward to. Uh, one name that always, uh, when you talk about basketball New Zealand uh, and you associate it with is Stephen Adams. Uh, what is the likelihood of getting, getting to see him play uh, for New Zealand in the Black Singlet anytime soon? 
Um, well, I mean, there's, there's always a chance, but um, you know, we haven't been able to, to make it happen yet. But it's something that we're always work, working towards, and um, you know, uh, hopefully, I'll get a chance to, to sit down with Steve and just you know let him see the schedule and the commitments that we have over the next few years and, and where he could possibly fit. Uh, and, and those are you know quite limited in terms of the, the, the times that he can play um, with, the, with the clashes with the NBA season. So um, you know, hopefully, it won't be too daunting in terms of the commitment he has to make. Um, but uh, you know, it's something that we're always working towards uh, for sure. Yeah, as you cut this sort of a pair as though there could be a gap there for him to play, is that a possibility? You think? I mean, there's a gap there, but uh, again, you know, some of his commitments in the off- NBA offseason have um, you know created uh, an obstacle in terms of him playing at that time of year. So again, uh, that won't be known until we, we get a chance to, to sit down and um, and talk. Paul Henneday talking to Matt Chatterton. That's all from us this week. Make sure you check out the sport page on rnz.co.nz and follow us on Twitter. Have a good weekend. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.